Ooh, what up, H-Sound? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass. And it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees, my very own invention. Astros, again, showed us why 2023 is the most frustrating regular season in the golden era. I mean, the Astros nowadays, Blankers, are creating ways to lose. They They are. are finding ways to lose baseball games, and yesterday was no different on a number of fronts. Yeah, this is another one that just is right up there with, you know, numerous ones you can start counting on two hands now, where you start talking about ones that got away. Ones where you had ample opportunities to get back in the game, to take control of the game, to take the lead of the game, to give it up, to get it back, to give it up, to watch it just slip away, and you just shake your head, and you know, like me, more so than most, then I have a hard time sleeping at night because I'm like, that is a game that you should have had that you sorely needed down the stretch, and it hurts. Yeah, how much uh, How much sleep did you get? I mean, enough, eventually. How, many, how much sleep did you lose with the Astros losing? Oh, I mean, I was watching the end of it in bed, and I ended up laying there contemplating it, and re- I rewound it, and I watched some other things for probably about 45 minutes to an hour. How much sleep did you lose with the Astros' loss? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Joe, did you lose any sleep with the Astros' loss? Nope. I didn't lose any sleep, but I was really ticked off. I was really upset with that game. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the base running blunder? Do you oh, want to man. start with the... What? Yeah, there, there's Blankers and myself. I'm mad. Little Mike, T- I'm mad. What do you want, Jim Gray? I'm mad. I am mad. I mean, I, I just... And I've told you guys this, and I, I get more, probably more mad than others after the halfway point of the season. Would they- you say you have a temper? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a no-brainer. But, I mean, I, I told you this. This goes back to Rockets days when Craig and I used to keep, like, a running total of how many you let get away. And the scary thing was in the NBA, if you got – you'd count them on one hand. If you started getting to two hands of games that you let get away, that you let slide, that you had control of, it starts to be a problem. It starts to be something that weighs on you when you say the difference between home court and not home court or winning the division or not winning the division – they add up, and when they start adding up, they matter more. But at this time of the season, to have a game that looked like it was pr- kind of out of reach for a little bit, but then they they, they kind of do what they do. They fight their way back in. They scratch. They claw. They they get you to the point where you're like, you know what? This is awesome. This is an this is going to be a great come from, come from behind victory. And then you just watch it all crumble before your eyes and go, God, what the heck just happened? Uh, when it was 3-1 to one after they got that stupid bloop single, I hate bloop RBI singles maybe more than anything else in sports. Like, name other things that you hate more than bloop RBI singles. I hate bloop RBI singles more than anything in sports because you execute your pitch, you do your job, and they get a little Texas leaguer in front of an infielder that's playing outfield. I cannot stand bloop RBI singles. I can't stand them like taxes. I can't stand them like a cold. I cannot stand bloop RBI singles. I thought Justin Verlander was good yesterday. I thought Justin Verlander pitched really well. I thought Justin Verlander looked as good as he's looked in, in a while, quite frankly. That's a Baltimore Oriole team. Were they a little hungover? Yeah, they were probably a little hungover. But that's a team that can swing it. And Justin Verlander gives up three runs in six innings and punches out five. And it should have been one. He executes his pitch with two outs and gets a stupid little Texas leaguer into center field. Yeah, I, I really like the way he changed speeds. I, I, I like the fact that his off-speed pitches were seemingly a little bit more off-speed. That he kept the Orioles, for the most part, off-balance. And that he seemed like he was in complete control with the exception of the blooper and another mistake. 
But overall, I was pleased with the way he pitched. I think if that's your number two in the playoffs, I'd be very pleased with that if Fromber pitched the way he pitched last time out. Now you've reestablished your one and your two. So, yeah, I was totally fine with JV. There was so much good that happened in that game yesterday that it's really sour that you had the Ryan Presley blown save. It's really sad that you had the little ninth inning where you're gifted a runner at second base with nobody out. You get him over to third base with one out, and then... Look, two different fronts here. One, Kyle Tucker can't put the ball in the outfield on a 3-1 count, none, no no less. Uh, Jake Myers gets a bad read off the bat. Dusty Baker not having the contact play on, which isn't something that I liked because you had like the Jeremy Pena relay. Great relay to cut off somebody at the plate. You had Jose Altuve with a big you know, two-out, two-RBI double after Martin Maldonado strikes out when he probably shouldn't have been hitting. But he atoned for it later whenever he hit that home run. Like There was a lot of good in that game yesterday, and it was ruined by Rafael Montero, oh, Ryan man. Presley. What? I am. I'm mad. I'm mad. What do you want? Yeah. I'm mad. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. If you're mad with that Astros loss yesterday, yeah, there's no doubt I am. And and I think you're right. You're right. You covered a lot of it. I mean, I'm sitting there just looking at it in total disbelief and frustration in some ways. And then there's others that I know are going to create good discussion for all of us. But it was frustrating because you had it. You had it a couple of times. And you felt like this was one that was going to be a big momentum builder. And now you're left to kind of just pick up the pieces and go, well, we'll go get them again tonight. But you knew the, the, the luck was going to finally run out. Of course, the Rangers do what they do <clears throat> with their bullpen and find a way to lose again. But, I mean, the Mariners are playing the A's. And, and the Mariners play the A's a lot differently, evidently, than the Astros. Uh, and they handled their business. And, and now, you know, you, you're a little closer to screwing around and not winning the division. Yeah, the uh, race right now, a game and a half up on both the Rangers and the Mariners. You have the tiebreaker on the Rangers. You don't have the tiebreaker on the Mariners. 11 games left to play. And, oh, yeah, you only have a half-game lead on the Blue Jays. Like, you're flirting with missing the playoffs. Are you still a game and a half up on both teams in the division? Yes. But this is a very, very slim margin on missing the playoffs entirely. Let's talk about the two big instances of of losing the game yesterday. Uh, There was two major storylines to talk about, two major topics to talk about. Ryan Presley's one of them, but let's start with that play in the ninth inning. Jordan Alvarez reaches, I mean, they were gifted a runner at second base, nobody out. Throwing error, Jordan Alvarez at second base. Dusty Baker, pinch runs with Jake Myers instead of Jordan Alvarez, which I don't have a problem with that. Like, Jake Myers is faster than Jordan. I know Jordan's a better athlete than a lot of people give him credit for, but Jake Myers is faster than Jordan Alvarez. So I don't hate that. If they didn't pinch run, I'm not screaming at Dusty, though, because, like, what if you tie the game? Like, I kind of like Jordan Alvarez being in the lineup versus Jake Myers. So that's one I I can go either way. I'm not going to sit here and nitpick either side. Uh, Pinch running for Jake Myers in that spot, I get it. Tying run, a little more speed. Not pinch pinch running for Jake Myers in that spot because you anticipate scoring that run and you want Jordan's bat in the lineup. I get it. I I get both sides. I'm not going to die on either one of those hills. Eventually, Jake Myers gets to third base, one out. You have Kyle Tucker at the plate. Kyle Tucker's having a good plate appearance. He works a 3-1 count. That's right where you want Kyle Tucker to be. You want him to be in a 3-1 count, lift the baseball, tie the game, all going to be good. Kyle Tucker drives one into the ground in front of the plate, high chopper to second. Jake Myers, no idea what Jake Myers was doing. The secondary lead was about as poor a base running like, that you're ever going to see. It was like non-existent. It was tiny. I mean, I'm wondering, and Jeremy, this is where we can nitpick it, but I'm wondering where the, the lack of communication happened. Did Gary Pettis not talk to him prior to the situation and as the situation was unfolding pitch by pitch? Mm-hmm. Because he's got to be ready on contact. He's got to be establishing that secondary lead 
each and every time. We saw it earlier in the game when a secondary lead can even get the attention of the pitcher. Verlander was in the windup, and the runner on third base got to be so much for him, he decided to switch back, go to the stretch, because he was paying attention. But in that situation, you're sitting there on every pitch waiting for contact. And because that was going to be a difficult play as a chopper, it was still going to be a tough transfer. you got to make the perfect throw. And if you get the right jump right on contact... I was left just palms in the air, shaking my head, going, what the hell was that? Like, per- personally, I'm going contact play there. Like, no question. I-, I don't care. I'm glad you brought that up. Here was Dusty Baker after the game on that situation, that play, and Dusty says the contact play was not on. you got to read that ball right away, you know. Um, and, you know, on the high chopper, you got action. But, it, like I said, if you don't go right away, then, you know, you can't go on contact, really, because – if you go on contact and they hit the ball hard to somebody, you still got a runner on third with, you know, with two outs. And so, um, yeah, it was just a series of bad events for us. Don't love that answer from Dusty. I'm not going to blame Dusty Baker for last night's loss. You should have won that ball game. It had nothing to do with Dusty Baker. Astros lost 8-7 to when you had a good start from Justin Verlander. Instead, you had Rafael Montero and Ryan Presley give up five runs in their respective two innings when they're making a collective $26.5 million. It was on the relievers yesterday, even more so than Kyle Tucker in a 3-1 count runner at third less than two outs, and Jake Myers getting a bad read at third base. I don't like that answer for a couple of reasons. One, he's throwing Jake Myers under the bus. Said he got a bad read and you got to get a good read. One... Two, he's not wrong. Jake Myers was some awful base running. The secondary lead was atrocious. It's like he didn't read it at all because Jake Myers is aloof. Finally, you have to have the contact play there. I, I disagree with Dusty Baker where if you, well, if he hits the ball hard to the shortstop, you're going to have an easy out at the plate. What do you do in that spot if you're going on contact? You get in a rundown and Kyle Tucker right. gets to second base and the tying run's still going to score on a base hit. So I completely disagree with the fact that it was a read play with Jake Myers called by the dugout, Dusty said it himself, and not the contact play. I think it's baseball 101. I think that's a spot for a contact play. I think Dusty missed the call there and he got, he, he, absolutely, he got thrown into the too because Jake Myers is a poor base runner because he's aloof. It was bad on both fronts, but contact play has to be the call there. Well, I don't. I, I completely agree. I mean that that's why I was so adamant about it, and that's why I was screaming at the TV last night. I I, I just was in complete disbelief that in a situation with the infield in, when if you're getting the right appropriate secondary lead, when you are getting you know a good distance down the line, you know on every pitch that Tucker's fighting off and every pitch that he's trying to swing at, that you've got an a really good chance. To get in, and if you don't, you're right. If, if it's a liner, like the situation you said, if it's a liner to one of the, the players on the infield, well, then you just freeze. You freeze, you create the rundown, you at least have a chance to get a, a two-out base hit, which Dusty's talking about, which will score the run. But the fact that it looked like, and again, I, you know what? You know what negates a guy that's really fast? A guy that's not really quick thinking. Aloof. Yeah. When, when, you're, it when, you're, when you're a soup spoon in the sharpest tools in the utensil drawer. Like, when you don't get it enough to realize no matter how much speed you got, if you don't react right away on contact, if you don't understand, pow, sound of the bat, I've got to get ready to go. I'm gone. That's how you negate good speed. That's where Jordan would have had a better chance because he might have gotten a better jump. That was embarrassing to me, and that was kind of a microcosm of the Astros lately. I think there was three actors in play in that situation. 
There's Kyle. Look, first and foremost, Kyle Tucker needs to put the ball in the air. Like he, he's not completely innocent in all of this either. He was your first bad actor, and he's in a hitter's count. Like he's one of your best players. Three one count. Put the ball in the outfield. Let allow Jake Myers to, to score. So Kyle Tucker, first bad actor. Second bad actor, Dusty Baker in the dugout having a replay on with a dumb base runner instead of the contact play. Which again, just getting the rundown. If you're dead meat at the plate, Kyle Tucker's gonna get to second base, and the tying run scores on a base hit anyways. There's not a there's not a big difference. Runner at second two outs versus runner at third at two outs. Small difference, not a big difference. And then the third one was Jake Myers. Just terrible base running. Secondary lead, like you mentioned. Like, you could you could barely slide a piece of paper sideways between Jake Myers and the third base bag. And it didn't even get a read and David hop off the bag once he was hit either. Can you honorable mention Gary Pettis? No. No, because it, it, it was... No, I can't. Because Dusty called the replay, not the contact play. And I mean, by the time Gary Pettis is like, go, it's too late. No, but I'm it's saying. It's got to be the read from the runner. No, I don't blame Gary Pettis at all. I- I'm just saying the prep leading into it. Gary Pettis. What's he going to tell him, though? It's a read play, yeah, Jay. See, that, that comes from the dugout. And, and that's, that's where, I mean, if Dusty, if that's true. He said it. But I mean, he's going to say it to the media. But do you believe it? Well, he's admitting fault. Yeah, I just man, then that's then that's even worse to me. He said you can't go contact play there. He made that from his word from lifer. his mouth. He's a lifer, and I, 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 for the life of me, I don't understand how you make a read play there. Don't when get you, it when you don't just you know. Look, regardless of how you got that runner to where he was, it doesn't matter. Good teams capitalize on pounce on those situations. We talked about situational hitting yesterday. Yep. We talked, yep. and that's the spot. Look, tie the game, send it to extras there. Kyle Tucker put At the ball home. in the outfield. Dusty put on contact play. Jake Myers learn how to. Base run. 713-780-3776. Robbie's on hold. He's mad about the game. Are you mad about the game? 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. Got lots to get to today. DJ Beganemy. He's going to be joining us at 4 o'clock. Is it time to replace the tipping Ryan Presley in that closers role? So much to get to. You're not going to want to miss today's show. Joel lost sleep. He's grumpy. I'm mad too. 713-780-3776. I think Joe is too, but we haven't allowed him to talk yet. We're on Twitch. Twitch. TV slash ESPN Radio. He's at Pac-Man Joel. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. It's really good. Peel back the curtain here a little bit. We have reads after segments, right? I, I'm so happy that my first read of the day is Gentle Ben because just thinking about Gentle Ben eases my mood. It relaxes me. Just thinking about it. Imagine when you get that taste. I've been telling you for what seems like years the Gentle Ben is the absolute best. It starts with the finest ingredients, classic, time-honored distilling methods. Gentle Ben uses a revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you'll ever taste. You get all of the flavor with none of the burn. Whether it's the vodka, the gin, the straight bourbon whiskey, or the cask strength bourbon, the next time you head to dinner or go to your favorite bar, ask for Gentle Ben. Look for Gentle Ben at the liquor store. Whichever one you go to, whatever on the way home today. If you're looking for plans, head to Gentle Ben, the Gentle Ben Tasting Room in Alvin. Look, if you're lazy and don't want to leave your couch, but get Gentle Ben and you don't already have some, go to the website right now, GentleBen.com. You can order GentleBen straight from the GentleBen.com website. Go do it right now. Get it delivered straight to your doorstep. You don't want to miss it. Are you going to the Astros game later? You can get Gentle Ben there, too. Stop by the Gentle Ben bar right when you walk in the Union Station entrance. Gentle Ben, all of the flavor, none of the burn. 87.5 and 92.5. We're, we're mad. Uh, Astros lost yesterday. They're flirting with missing the playoffs, quite frankly. Uh, 11 to play. They lead the Rangers and Mariners by a game and a half apiece. Only a half game up on the Blue Jays. They're flirting with missing the playoffs. 11 games left to play, and they lost what should have been a winnable game. People are mad. People are angry, including us. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. 
You just you just handle your business, and everything fell into place for yeah. the last two weeks. I mean, if we were to eliminate everything to this point right now, I'd still rather be in the Astros' shoes than the Blue Jays' sure. shoes. But yeah, I mean, it's I mean, two weeks a week ago, Blue Jays oh. were three and a half behind the Astros. After the Ra- behind Rangers, all these teams yeah. in the American League West, the now Rangers, they jumped them all except the, for Houston. The Rangers just kicked them dead to the curb, and you were like, okay, mm-hmm. Toronto's out of this thing. And now because of just the the unbelievably bad baseball by all three teams in the West, they've stepped right back into it. Astros lineup today, and we'll go out to the phone line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Somebody might need to put out a missing persons report on Michael Brantley. Mm-hmm. He's not in the lineup. Uh, Tuve at second, Bregman at third, Jordan DHs, Tucker in right, Abreu at, at first, Chaz is in left, Yiner catches, Dubon again in center, Pena at short, Hunter Brown is on the mound. The Ashes are facing righty Kyle Gibson today, who is much better against right-handed hitters than left-handed hitters. Yesterday, you can understand Michael Brantley not playing. A lefty on the mound, they don't want to play Brantley every game in a series. Why is Michael Brantley not in the lineup today? I'm sure Dusty will be asked about it here shortly in the media scrum. Best guess, why is Michael Brantley not in the lineup today? Okay, here's here's best guess. Yeah, I don't like it. I know where you're going. I don't like it. Throwing shoulder? Uh, I mean, I hope it's not his throwing shoulder because he threw a guy out of the plate well, over but, the weekend. But he's had two throws in the last couple of days where he's had to really rear back and let it fly. And the last one, trying to get that guy at the plate, I was like... Well, he didn't he, play yesterday. No, not yesterday. I know. But the last time he did day. it, though, well, maybe he didn't play yesterday because it's sore. Well, I thought he didn't play yesterday because it was a lefty. Like, there's well, no sense, reason for Michael Brantley to be sitting today. Half, time, half the time, the lineups don't make look, sense no matter which way you look. I, you just asked me to try and give you an answer. Uh, it's concerning. Maybe it's something that he did to the shoulder while trying to throw a guy out. It's, now, that is not the surgery sh- shoulder, which is good news, I guess, because it's the right shoulder, not the left shoulder. Brantley's left-handed. But why is he not in the lineup? It makes absolutely Wait, no sense why Michael Brantley. No, not? Brantley remembers the lead shoulder, the guiding shoulder on the swing. It's okay. his right shoulder. Okay. So it's not his throwing shoulder. Uh, 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Robbie, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Robbie? Hey, Killer Bees. How's it going today? What's up, right. man? Well, uh, it's been better. I'm still, well, yeah, I'm, uh, it's been better. I'm still mad about last night the way Dusty managed the game. I think Berlander should have been in there. Instead of bringing Montero that early and let him try to work just a little bit more and then roll around and, and play some more, I wasn't happy with Maldonado hitting mm-hmm. in the sixth. And he struck out, but that's what gave Altuve a chance to do something. But then Montero, I mean, uh, Maldonado made up for it later. and But I still didn't like the way that he, he pitched Presley in there. So I'll hang up and listen to you. Appreciate the uh, the call, Robbie. I wonder how much sleep Robbie lost. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Maldi striking out in the sixth inning was almost a best case scenario because it allowed Altuve to come up. He didn't hit into a double play. Right, right. It allowed Altuve to come up. Uh, I thought he should have been pinch hit for there as myself. I tweeted about it before he stepped in the box. Now he did homer later, so like okay, uh, it's scoreboard dusty. We'll, that one's not really worth uh, crying about. The Verlander thing. He's throwing. He's over ninety pitches. Uh, he was a little under. He was a little under. Uh, he was I, I thought because he, he, he had a couple of... I mean, he's right there in the okay, ballpark. R- right around 90, and I thought, well, that's probably going to prevent him from coming out for one more. I, I just... And I was on Twitter with, with a couple of people going a little back and forth on that one. I thought that there was ample time after Altuve got the hit that you didn't have to go to Montero there. You could have gotten Naris all the way up. But again... The question is, what happened to Abreu? Because yeah. I was figuring it was going to be Naris Abreu Presley, and then the the best guess that Chandler Rome could have after tr- getting you know all kinds of people, what what the hell happened there 
was the fact that Abreu took that comebacker to the forearm and maybe he was sore and they weren't going to use it. As soon as Montero came in in the seventh inning, I I had a good feeling Abreu was not available, just wasn't available because yeah. he got hit by that comebacker over the weekend. And if Montero's pitching the seventh, whenever you have a fully rested bullpen, with the exception of Abreu getting a day, then there, like that was the recipe. So like it was going to be Montero in the seventh, Neris in the eighth, Presley in the ninth. So I can't really blame Dusty for that. Like his relievers felled him. That's not on Dusty. Like Abreu wasn't available. Montero's been his fourth guy. Neris has been his third guy, and Presley is his guy. So like I can't br- blame Dusty for his for his usage of the relievers. Now, Robbie does bring up a question that I was I, I was toying with this. I thought there was a pretty decent time to get Verlander out of the game, though. Like, it was about to be another trip through the lineup. He was at 89 pitches. you got to factor in. Even if he gets to the next inning, he's going to throw an average 15. Do you want Verlander at 105? Like, I, I didn't I didn't hate the decision to pull Verlander in that spot. I get Robbie's too. point. Yeah, he did. He was kind of yeah, stressful yeah. in those so last two. So there was two. a couple in the last couple innings and, and kind of scattered throughout the game where he had a little bit more stress than you would like for a guy that seemed to be a very effective pitcher for the most part. Yep. And, and I think that the combo platter to me was, I just I just didn't see him going back out there to start another inning. No, I, I don't I don't dislike that decision. Like, I, I see where Robbie's coming from. He only threw 89. He can get you through one more inning, especially if you know Abreu's not available. I thought it was a natural time to get him out. And look, Montero's been pitching well. Didn't pitch well yesterday. Ryan Presley has not been pitching well since June, maybe because he's tipping. Those two pitchers gave up five runs. Like, that's not on Dusty. Sorry. Like, we're, we're the first to lob, you know, questionable decisions yep. his way. Look, what he did in the ninth inning, having Jake Myers on a read play instead of a contact play, I thought was unforgivable, quite frankly. But I didn't think that Dusty mismanaged the bullpen, knowing later for sure that Abreu wasn't I, available. I questioned it at the time, Yeah, for which sure. is fair, because you didn't know. Yeah, and then finding out if that is indeed the reason why Abreu wasn't available, and if he wasn't available, then it makes sense to me. Because as much as I think that I trust Graveman a lot more than I trust Montero, just that's just me, gut feeling in that situation. Graveman hasn't been great, and Montero's numbers have been good. And we know that Dusty really likes Montero. So he went with his gut. He was going to do what he's going to do. And and he went with Montero. So at the time, I questioned it wholeheartedly. But if that's the reason why he couldn't do what I was expecting them to do, then then I was wrong. 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Willie, you're in the hive with the bees. What's up, Willie? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Always. On the, uh, on the uh, play with Jake at third base with... Uh, one out and tuck it up. Yes. I wouldn't have went on contact either. Why? I, I never went on contact. Why, Willie? That place because, but because the infield is in. So? So and, what? Uh, when, they, when, when the infield is in, the, uh, uh, he hit the ball right to the first baseman. He dead meat anyway. Does Tucker reach? And then... Does Tucker reach in that scenario? Jake Myers should get in a rundown, right? So if Tucker should be at second base if Myers is dead meat. If Myers is dead meat, if you're let's just say you're going on contact in your scenario, Willie, hits a hard shot right to the first baseman. It's a it's a ho hum routine play at the plate. Jake Myers is dead meat. Runner at that point supposed to get in a rundown. Kyle Tucker is going to get to second base with Myers in the rundown. How much of a difference is there? Two outs runner at third versus two outs runner at second. Okay. Thanks it's worth the asking. risk. It's worth the risk. What, what? What 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 if it's uh they still on third inch wild pitch? Yeah, that's the scenario. Okay. That's the scenario where it's your better turn. to have a runner third than second. You're your right. Turn. You're right. Your turn. Okay. I, I said you were you. right. <laughs> I appreciate the call, Willie. I always enjoy our conversations. I really do. I uh, appreciate Willie. But look, I think it's worth the risk. Is there some like the reward is you score the tying run? 
The risk is you're trading an out and giving up a base. Ideally, you're going to get Tucker at second versus Myers at third. And look, Martin Maldonado's not catching on the other team. Martin Maldonado leads the world in giving up free 90 feet. Well, and the fact is, it's a judgment called by the runner, too. Well, you, contact shouldn't be. I'm saying, but I'm saying, on contact, you take the first two steps. You're going. But you're going to hear people... You know, the, people are going to start yelling, whether it's back or liner or whatever they yell, mm-hmm. to where that's when you just jam your foot in the dirt and realize I'm freezing right there, mm-hmm. and I can still make something happen so that we still have a chance. But for the most part, and all you're doing there's the, the goal there in that spot is Tucker at second base. Like yeah, you, you're you're, you're going to be out the fielding prowess of all those guys in the infield coming up, coming in to where it has to be a hard hit ball right at somebody or the chances are pretty good because you think about everything that has to go right. Mm -hmm. They've got to get that chopper. He's got to kind of get airborne to get it. Now he's got to come down on a transfer, plant hard, and make the perfect throw. If you go low into the outside of the plate and and you have any kind of jump at all, you have a legitimate chance even if the guy does everything right at second base. Look, Willie's right that it's easier to score from third base to two outs and second base to two outs, but it's not a major difference. Is it? Is it so? Is it such a better reward to have a runner at third, two outs, runner at second, two outs, than potentially trying to score the tying run? Not for me. And then let's play out the scenario that did happen. High chopper off the plate, which if Jake Myers had a decent secondary lead, I think that's a play. I think it would have been a challenging play for the second base because he had to leave his feet. He's got to turn, pivot, throw to the plate. I think at that point it becomes a bang-bang play, which now you can throw out the whole argument, well, he's not going to get into a rundown. If he gets thrown out at a bang-bang play, then now Kyle Tucker's at first base. What's Kyle Tucker good at, though? Still in bases. He's got nearly 30 on the year. They went to a righty out of the bullpen. Kyle Tucker's going to find his way on second base. Like I just think that the risk is worth the reward in that spot. Is there some risk? Yes. Is the reward greater? In my mind, no doubt about it. Yeah, to me and everybody, this is why we have the discussion. It's why we love sports. But, you, you know, feel free to disagree. But to me, from the moment it happened, and I'm still adamant, adamant about it today, that's the right play. That's the right play in that scenario. You weren't supposed to be in that scenario anyway. So you're supposed to take every advantage that you can. And so you know that because of the muffed throw, that you got a guy in scoring position, you got a chance to keep this game going at home where you get last at bats and you get la- and, and the opportunity to tie or win the ball game. I like your chances if you score there. I like your chances trying to score right there on that play instead of with two outs looking for a base hit, whether you get Cienel Perez who throws 95-plus or you get the guy that they actually w- went to a- and brought in because he throws harder and he throws gas and he really made Chaz look bad. 713-780-ESPN. Um, look, your thoughts on this Astros game. Most frustrating Astros regular season in the golden era. 713-780-3776. And we still haven't even gotten to Ryan Presley. And if the Astros need to replace him in the ninth inning, in safe situations. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the the break, I just want to tell you again about the good people at MyBookie and MyBookie.ag. I, I love these people because they love their customers. They don't turn their back on their customers. They don't just love to get their money money and then don't pay them and then screw around every time you're trying to actually cash out they take care of you every step of the way it's fantastic and it's in every sport they've been doing this for over a decade and the reason why people love them is because you get bonuses and you get paid when you win and you don't when they give you bonus money have to sit there and rebet it several times over and over again and then finally get told okay now if you win one more you can get your money out nope They take care of you, and right now they're doing another great promotion where if you use the promo code BET975, which I always tell you to use, on a deposit of $50 or more, you can receive up to $200 in cash in your account almost instantly, and that means more money in your account, more games you can bet on, and more chances to win. When you win, if you bet that deposit amount they gave you at least once, 
and you're ready to withdraw after that one time, you can get that money out. You can put it in your pocket and you can go to town. Again, promo code BET975 is what helps you claim that cash deposit with more money in your account and more chances to win. And it's fantastic. We know we got NFL and college football. We know there's soccer and UFC and so much more. But we also know now that even when there aren't games being played, the lights don't go off and the action never stops because live dealers are standing by with casino batting as well. And you can get in on that because you're a customer at mybookie.ag. Go to mybookie.ag right now, and either you reload your account or you're signing up for the first time. If you use the promo code BET975, you're going to cash in before you even play a game. It's absolutely fantastic. That's why I always tell you, bet anything. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios. We will get to Ryan Presley blowing that save. And if he's the best option to be using in save situations for the Astros at some point. But people are mad. People are upset with this team. Most frustrating regular season in the golden era. And they showed again why last night. Uh, someone's texting in. Y'all might have to inter- interpret some. Like, some of these texts I have trouble interpreting. Uh, 4187, you guys are silly, dot, dot, dot. The Astros not making the playoffs is a real thing. Like, I don't know if he's, like, because we said it is a real thing. I think it is. Is he being, like, is he saying, you guys are idiots. They're, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. I think that's what he means, but I'm not sure. It, Look, they're a game and a half up. They're a game and a half away from not making the playoffs. Like, they don't have the tiebreaker against the Blue Jays and the Mariners, two of the three teams that are in the mix including the Rangers. They have the tiebreaker on the Rangers. If there was a three-and-a-half game lead between the three teams in the West and, and the Blue Jays, then I know that it would be a silly discussion, and you would feel a lot better about the fact that you know things would have to go terribly, terribly wrong and worse than it's going already for you to believe that there's any chance that any of those teams are going to miss the playoffs. But because the Blue Jays just kind of sat back and watched all of hell break loose for all three of these teams, they've walked right back into the middle of this thing, and they... They're, they're playing good enough baseball, probably better baseball than the other three teams right now, to where they believe they're a playoff team, and that means someone's going home, and you don't want it to be you. 713-780-3776. Let's go back out to the HRP listener line. Troy, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Troy? Hey, what's going on, guys? So I've been mad since the Yankees series when they got swept. These guys have zero sense of urgency. And this, this switch everybody keeps talking about, they turn it on, they turn it off. By the time they really need it, the light bulb's going to be burned out. And as far as Montero and Presley, it's like Echel and Jive. You never know what you're going to get when they come out to pitch. And I want to clear something up with you guys. Most people pronounce it Simeon. That's not how you pronounce Marcus's name. Well, hang up, listen, guys. Wait, 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 Troy, 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 Troy. Oh, he's gone. He's, he's long gone. <laughs> it's like gone. who? Long gone. Heckle and who? He said heckle and jide. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, he said, but I mean, we, we know what Troy said. A little Troy. heckle and jide. I have, a, a long I, have timer. I have a feeling that might make it later on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, Troy brings up some points about like the zero sense of urgency, the switch. We've talked a lot about the switch. The Astros have shown time and time again since 2017, with a couple of exceptions, like they didn't win in 18. You know, they didn't win in the World Series, didn't win a home game in 19, lost the World Series in 21. But the Astros have had the ability to turn on the switch when they need to. You know how that stuff ends when the when you go there and it doesn't like that stuff happens over sports like there's every single dynasty every single team that has the ability to be clutch every single team that has the ability to flip the switch it's there until it isn't 
and like it's 11 to play, you're a game and a half away from missing the playoffs, and it's what the texture here just put. For some reason this year, I don't think the Astros will put it into second gear and get it together in time. It's starting to feel closer and closer that way. Well, it almost feels desperate, Jeremy, when you're talking about your, you know, your second or third uh, players-only meetings that happen after know. games. You know How many can you have? It just seems like a, a, a move of desperation because... From time to time, guys are going to get together after the game. From time to time, veterans are going to gather with some of the younger guys and talk about the importance of stuff like this. But when it gets publicized and it starts to seem like they're grasping at straws, it seems like it's more of a concern than it is a, they're going to work this thing out. They're going to really put the pedal down now. And, and at a certain point, they do feel like they can flip the switch whenever they want and that they can do whatever they need to do to get there. And I'm starting to wonder if they can because – it's one thing to say that this happened against a good team like the Orioles, but when it's coupled with what you didn't do against the Royals and the A's, and you know how important it is right now because of who you're up against and how tight this race is, it's just completely unacceptable, and it's just it's it's more than a head-scratcher to me now where I start wondering, will they be able to do what they need to do to, one, pull away and win the division or get in the playoffs, and two, even if they get there? Is this going to keep happening, or are they going to now flip that switch and be able to do what a lot of people are starting to doubt they can do? Good news is you're, you're a game and a half up and not a game and a half behind. Mm-hmm. Like that's, the, that's kind of like the silver lining here. You're still a game and a half up. Rangers and Mariners still have a lot of games against one another. So, like, again, like, erase everything that's happened 151 games in. you got 11 left to play. Erase everything else. This is a spot that's okay. Like, you're a game and a half on the Rangers. You're a game and a half on the Mariners. They play each other seven times. Like, you're still in a decent spot because they haven't taken that brass ring and ran with it either. Like, the division, it seems like nobody in the division wants the division. A uh, 60-30, this team just isn't hungry. This team plays like they're content where they are. Orioles playing like the 17 Astros, for example. See... But the Astros should have won yesterday. Yep. Like the Astros, like the hunger factor, they came from behind. They were down three to one. They came from behind. They took the lead. They had their closer on the mound to win it. They were two outs away from victory. So like because they didn't get the final like two outs with the lead, that means they aren't hungry. Like I, I can't buy that. Like that was a hungry team. It just Ryan Presley gave it up at the end. I, I think the players in the dugout last night felt like they did all they could do. Absolutely. Because you know they like you said they came back from three one and they came back. And and five three, and then they got the lead again, and then Maldi tacked on. And normally, when you get a tack on run for the Astros, that is the kiss of death for whoever you're playing, because now you've got just enough buffer that even if there is a hiccup or two, you can survive that too. But it felt like, hey, look, this is going to be one of those you build on because the hitters did what they were supposed to do, and they found a way to scratch and claw multiple times to get you in the position to win the ball game. And your pitching staff lets you down. It's that simple. Your bullpen lets you down. Two guys specifically let you down completely. Money guys, too. Yeah, and and you feel like that was a kick right between you know the, the wickets where you're just like, man, you, you just hope you can bounce back and, and jump on them early tonight and try and put that one behind you. But that's a tough one to, to not look back on and remember no matter how this thing plays out over the last 11 games. 66-70, the Warriors used to flip that switch until they couldn't. That's what happens. Like You can flip the switch until you eventually can't. And some windows are long where you can do that. Some are short. Uh, 713-780-3776. Back out to the HRMP listener line. Rob, you're in the hive. What's up, Rob? Hey, guys. Appreciate you taking my call. I mean, Dusty got completely outmanaged last night by Hyde in the ninth. Uh, he, had, uh, he had the righty ready in case McCormick came up. And... Who, who does Dusty have on the on the bench? All they need is a single with two outs. 
You got the sweetest left-handed swing in all the game. Michael Brantley sitting over there waiting to go righty lefty. Now I don't know. I don't know the pitcher. Maybe he's got. Maybe he's got reverse splits. But I, I yeah. sure take uh, Brantley uh, lefty righty against McCormick, who really struggles with upper level velocity. Uh, Dusty just got completely outmanaged in that ninth inning. It wasn't a great at bat for Chaz. Nope. Uh, takes a strike that's hittable. Takes a strike two that's hittable, and then flows away at a pitch that's yeah. nowhere near the zone. Um, maybe Brantley wasn't available. Michael Brantley's is not thing. in the lineup today it, yeah. against a righty after an off day yesterday. Maybe Michael Brantley was not available because if you assume that Michael Brantley was available in that spot, why is he not in the lineup today? Yeah, that's the thing. If he's not in the lineup tonight, that might tell you more about what was going on last night because I thought the same thing. I thought that Chaz has that long swing and, and, and this is not a good matchup for him. And I thought, you know, Yiner's not a guy because he doesn't have a command of the strike zone. You, you go to a guy like Brantley there, and you got to believe that he's going to put the bat on the baseball, and he's going to find a chance for whether it to you know be a, a shot down, shot into a gap in the infield, or you know a ball in the gap in the outfield. I felt like he was a good option there. But if he wasn't there last night and he's not in the lineup tonight, now that's even more concerning because there might be something up that this team doesn't really need to be dealing with right now, which is another injury. So I don't... I, Real quick on the Brandon Hyde thing, I'm not going to sit here and say that Brandon Hyde like did this act of genius. Like He had the lefties facing the lefties and he brought in a righty to face the righty. Now Could Dusty have countered? Maybe. Like I don't know what the availability of Brantley was. Could he have pinched it for Maldi in the sixth? Sure, but I mean, El Tuve picked him up with a two RBI double and then Maldi homer later. Over. I don't think that Dusty, like, again, we're very critical of Dusty. I'm critical of Dusty not having the, the contact play on in the ninth inning. Like, you I lose the game me. with the way the bullpen acted. I put it more on the pin than I do on Dusty. I drove me nuts with 18 changes in the ninth inning, period. It's and like just he just yeah. kept tinkering and tinkering and tinkering. It's like, come on. He didn't know how to double switch. It was very clear he didn't know how to double switch. You guys, like Joel, like in the past, when you were working with the Rockets, if a player was hurt, you typically would Joel roll him out for Rockets? interviews, right? I didn't know that. Okay, that's funny. Let's go. <laughs> What's the question again? If a player was hurt, would you roll them out for interviews? No. Well, Brantley did an interview today, apparently. With who? With the flagship. Now, Brantley has done so, like, interviews with, like... with national journalists while he was hurt, like, yeah. while he was now, on the IL. Can I also Typically, tell you... like, when I worked there, like we would only get healthy players. That's a good point. I think that's so, like, it's point. Just, it, it is. Seems that's However, more odd. sometimes the gamesmanship that went on behind the scenes was, if you do throw them out there to talk, maybe people won't ask if they're, if they're hurt. Or they're not hurt yet. You're kind of trying to hide it. Right. That we've had a yeah. lot of cover-ups. I can tell you multiple times where the GM or one of the guys in basketball ops was like, "Hey, this is going on, but we, you know, we can't talk about it. So let's just do it, and you know, status quo. Let's act like nothing's wrong." And we did that with starting lineups. We did stuff all the time because th- there was always gamesmanship behind the scenes. It's really weird that Brantley's not in the lineup today. Off day yesterday agree. against a righty who hit like he's pretty good against right-handed hitters. Like this is a game where Brantley plays and Brantley's not. Why? I don't know. Is it because is it because Dusty needs to get Mauricio Dubon's bat in the lineup? Is it because he needs Chaz McCormick to play left field? Like he's never he's never picked Chaz over Brantley before. Like as much as as much as Dusty likes Dubon, I don't think that Dusty's picking Dubon over Brantley. It's odd that Michael Brantley's not in the lineup today against a righty after a day off yesterday. Tuck and Brantley, whether you however you stagger them in the middle part of your lineup from four, you know, from three through six or whatever. That's formidable against any lefty. And you would believe that this is an opportunity for those three guys to do some damage. 
I am I am very very shocked that he's not in the lineup. Seven one three seven eight. And he, again, like he didn't play yesterday. Like if he if he wasn't playing right. back to backs, it's like okay, well he's not playing a back to back. No, he didn't play yesterday. What is he three for his last twenty? Uh, offensively, yeah. Brantley is. Yeah, Take that so. over Dubon. That's true. Dubon's not very good against right. He's 713-780-3776. Let's get to the Ryan Presley conversation. Is it time to make a change for the safe situations for Dusty Baker? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN at 92.5. Listen up. You probably wanted to bet on some of these games, whether it's baseball, probably football, though. Uh, I'm here to tell you about my favorite sportsbook and casino. That's BetUS.com. Football is back. It means it's time to lay down your bets. I only endorse one sportsbook and casino. That's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Well, BetUS is celebrating its 30th year of sports betting service with a special offer this football season. Up to 30 risk-free bets. That's right. Up to 30 risk-free bets. Call BetProtect. If that isn't enough for you, BetUS offers the industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. You heard me. The industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. Even more, BetUS.com offers a massive 200% crypto sign-up bonus and a 250% casino bonus. The game Always gets more exciting with a bet, but you can take it to another level at BetUS.com with live in-game action. Do not wait. Take advantage of their 30th year offer with up to 30 risk-free bets. Get Bet Protect. Get started today by visiting BetUS.com or give them a call at 1-800-MYBETUS. That's 1-800-692-3887 to learn all about their bonuses and special offers. 1-800-MYBETUS. BetUS.com. BetUS Sportsbook and Casino, where the game begins. Well, it's not Ryan Presley that's going to cut him down. I love Presley's intro. He's not living up to his intro. This is a great song. A lot of people got a little fired up about this intro last night. They're taking some shots at the intro because Presley stuck. Uh, Presley was bad yesterday. Presley no good. Uh, Blew a six save. Gave up three runs when the Astros were up by two in the ninth. Three hits in a row. The final one, the Cedric Mullins home run. How do you feel about making a change at closer? I think that I'm usually kind of like the forest, not the tree kind of guy. I'm the patient kind of guy. But with 11 games left to play, what do you do? If you're Dusty Baker with that closer role. I, I just, maybe we're going to do a little role reversal here, but I'm good with, I still feel better about Presley than I do about Abreu. Now, if it's Neris, I feel like Neris has had one of those years where he just, for the most part, whether it's by smoke and mirrors sometimes, and a top hat and a cane, or it's the fact that he's just gotten really good stuff that has he's used at the right times. I could I could see it, but to me, I just feel like from the whole kind of calm heartbeat way he goes about his business doesn't get rattled. I like Presley. I didn't think his stuff looked bad last night. Maybe you're right. I don't know because I looked at the replays trying to figure out where would he be tipping. Where was where was that tipping point, so to speak? I. I couldn't find it, and I'm not a baseball genius by any means, but I, I still feel really good with him in the back of the bullpen. I, but I also understand how a lot of people aren't patient with him. Well, good thing that I am a baseball genius. I get called that all the time. If you go look at uh, Presley, like when he goes fastball, he's kind of tapping the ball right before he delivers to the plate. Like leg kick, tapping a ball once, fastball, and then with his breaking stuff, no tap. Now, it's very subtle. It would have to be like a very good eye to see that. I think it's pretty easy for a lefty to see it. I think it might be challenging for a righty to see it. I don't think that's why Presley's... like. I think location for Presley's more than potentially tipping. And I'm not even calling it like a 100% guarantee. It's just something that I was tipped off with. I took a look at it. I dove into like Presley getting hit. 
and he's doing it. There's times when he's giving away his fastball, and if you're giving away your fastball, it means you're also giving away your breaking stuff because you're not doing it with your breaking stuff right. when you're doing it with your fastball. But I still think his location's the biggest issue. Like He, he talked about it after the game yesterday that he liked the pitch that he delivered to Mullins. Bro, yeah. that's like a breaking ball in a lefty sweet spot. Like low and inside, right where he can drop the, the, they you know, the, the barrel of the, ba- the bat right on the ball. Like That's not where you want that pitch to be. Like That's almost a back foot breaking ball, honestly. Well, and they slow mode it. And it's one thing to say, oh, he really brought his hands in. But as long as he puts it to it, like you said, when you get a lefty and you put it right there, kind of middle in or trying to get low, but not quite in the right spot in and you open up that front hip, your hands are naturally coming down and in and you can just you can put the barrel to it. And I mean, it's one thing when we used to be concerned about his velocity and is, you know, is Ryan Presley, you tired arm. He's always shaking the arm and people were concerned about those things, too. I wasn't concerned about his fastball last night. I wasn't concerned about the fact that, you know, he seemed to be able to locate his fastball fairly well. Yep. But he the breaking pitch was not located that's, well. That's the other thing is like he he loves his breaking stuff that I think he could use his fastball more, quite frankly. Like tipping or not, who knows? From where yeah. we used to see it. His like if you go baseball savant it, I'm not gonna bore you with the details. Velocity is the same, spin rate's the same. Like he hasn't lost stuff. So like I think it's command. I do think that there's something to this tipping thing, but I think command's the bigger issue. And also I think it's pitch selection. Like he he's falling in love with his breaking stuff, so he's throwing his breaking stuff eighty percent of the time. You can just spit on fastball. Like yeah. if those your fastball you take it unless there's two strikes and you're sitting on that breaking stuff and you can get some really good swings if you know what's coming uh i'm making the change quite frankly and i'm making the change to brian abreu like i've been patient i've been i've been i've defended ryan presley when he's blown saves in the past and i'm not giving up on ryan presley but you got to get him right and while you're like working out the kinks when you're 11 games left to play in the regular season the playoffs are in Two weeks, like two weeks from today, playoff. You will have playoff matchups. You lead the Rangers by a game and a half, Mariners by a game and a half. You got to go with your best arms in the bigger leverage situations. And Brian Abreu is a better arm than Ryan Presley. Abreu has not allowed a run in twenty-two appearances. He's got a sub-two ERA. He's got ninety strikeouts in sixty-six innings. Ryan Presley's given up nine runs in his last six appearances. You go with Brian Abreu. Sorry, I got to ride the hot hand. I got to go with the better arm and higher leverage. If I'm making the calls, Brian Abreu is getting the final. Three outs for me in games. Sorry, Presley. Health matters, right? We got to make sure he's okay too. Well, I don't know with the comebacker and all this. Dusty other stuff, talked but... about it post game. Say he's supposed to be available today. Okay, like well, it was the whole. Good. I think it was the whole Dusty giving a guy an extra day whenever yep. he doesn't need a day, which is another entirely different conversation because you certainly could have used Brian Abreu yesterday. Yeah, you. If Brian Abreu is available yesterday, you'd never use Montero. Well, that's what I'm saying. That that's the thing that during the game, and that's why I said if I did because I didn't know that, then I was wrong. But during the game, I'm questioning it from the jump, going, "Why is Montero in this game?" I mean, this is the guys that you turn the ball over to and figure it, figure it's a seven-inning game because you're going to close the door with Naris and, and Abreu and Presley. You didn't do that. And then on top of it, to find out afterwards that Bra- Abreu wasn't available, then I was like, oh, man, that's the last thing you can afford to do with a guy that's teetering on being untrustable or less than trustable you know, as your closer. I mean, we talk about Dusty playing the optimal lineups every day, right? Like 11 games to play, 12 games to play. This is the time to put your foot on the gas. This is the time where you need to wrap up the division. I don't see how that's any different than a Brian Abreu-Ryan Presley conversation because Abreu's been flat out better the entire year, and Presley's been pretty bad since July. Like, month by month, ERA's north of three. Presley's, like, career, like, season ERA's close to four. Like, Brian Abreu's lights out night and day better than Ryan Presley. So if we're talking about optimizing things, Brian Abreu in a higher leverage spot is optimizing over Presley. I think the one thing, you know, Dusty's, I think Dusty's going to be hard to budge. 
because of the fact that he's so hell-bent on his veterans and guys that have been there and done that, that he's this is just another one where he's probably going to die on the hill and say, I'm not changing my closer? That that's just me looking at the situation. I think as well. I think you're right. I think that predicting what Dusty's going to do, he's not going to 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 go away from Presley. If I were Dusty Baker, I'm going away from Ryan Presley. Brian Abreu's been flat out better, and Brian Abreu's been dominant in his last 22 appearances. He's not giving up a run. Yeah. Like he's not giving up a run. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball, quite frankly, the entire year. But in this run that he's in, he's been your best guy. He's been one of the best guys in all of baseball. And meanwhile, Ryan Presley has stunk. Like last year in the postseason, we give kudos and flowers to Dusty Baker promoting Brian Abreu and demoting Ryan Stanek, who set the Astros' record for regular season ERA for a reliever. He did that. Why not do this? Why not promote your best reliever over a guy who's been struggling? It's a, it should be a no-brainer. I agree. He's probably not going to do it, but it's a no-brainer. The only argument I think there is to really not put Abreu as the closer is I like the idea of having the flexibility of Brian Abreu in the 7th, 8th, or ninth to face the three best hitters from the opposing team. Don't hate that. Like he is a strategic arm mm-hmm. in the bullpen versus being locked into being your ninth inning guy. If you're playing the Rangers and Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager coming up in the eighth, I want to bray you there. I don't want Presley there. So like use a bray you strategically. And I think that should apply to the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning. And they should move away from like the traditional closer thing. Cause yep. I agree. Like I- I'm, I'm kind of team bray you here over Presley. You're, you're still promoting a bray you over Presley. You're, me- you're now making Brian a bray you your highest leverage guy. What you're kind of tinkering and changing here is what is your highest leverage inning? Is it in the eighth inning when you're facing Marcus Simeon, uh, Trey Turner? Uh, they got Adolis Garcia back yesterday, but he's batting like fifth or sixth. But you get the point. Like the higher leverage spot could be the eighth, like yep. top of the order, eighth inning versus five, six, seven, ninth inning. Like I, I agree with Joe George. Like you're still promoting Abreu over Ryan Presley. Abreu is now your high leverage guy, but you're using him more as an X factor than a closer. Or if it's the eighth. Eighth inning, middle of the order, Brian Abreu, you're our guy in our highest leverage spot. Sometimes Presley might have the ninth, sometimes he might have the eighth, but but Brian Abreu is in your highest leverage situations. I love that idea. I, I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to argue with you today. I, I just I don't think Dusty's going to do it. I would I, I just I believe in that Ryan Presley can figure this out and that his stuff plays. But it's it's look, it's the discussion of the day amongst Astros, Astros fans. There's no doubt about it. 713-780-3776. DJ B. Anime uh, covers the Texans for ESPN.com. Brought to you by Houston Powder Coders and the Golden Nugget in Lake Charles. He's going to join us on the HRP guest line when we return. How great. He called C.J. Stroud special. What is DJ seeing in C.J. Stroud that he thinks is special? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN.